Hey, She Slays listeners. Before we get into the episode, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, the Focus Academy. So you know chiropractic can help kids, but you lack confidence in your knowledge or communication skills to educate parents in your community. I've got a solution for you. The Focus Academy gives you the training and education to understand the why behind those wins and challenges you're seeing in clinic. They teach you how to perform a full brain-based exam, how to go beyond just the subluxation, but stay principled in your chiropractic approach and address and understand the consequences on brain development. They take a two-pronged approach. First, clinical solutions taught in a way that gives you full access to a deeper and more comprehensive understanding and breaks those techniques and approaches down into digestible and practical steps. Second, right now strategies you can employ wherever you are in your training. You'll learn how to seamlessly ask and answer the big questions in your clinical exams and re-exams and have it actually inform the whole child approach and care planning in a way your patients will understand. And since you're a She Slays listener, you'll get free access to the Focus Academy's Kickstart program. Just click the link in the show notes to get started on your journey to improving your practice. Hey, She Slayers. Welcome to another episode of She Slays the Day. I am your host, Dr. Lauren Brunslick. How you doing? Um, so yeah, we're just gonna chill. This is gonna be a fun, fun. It's not gonna be a fun episode. I don't think I'm gonna cry though. So that's, that's good, right? Like any episode where I cry, I don't, I don't know. I'm not feeling it. If you know me, I'm an Enneagram three. We don't like to be uh, publicly emotional, but we're going to be talking about some body stuff today. Um, mostly because I was stupid and promised you that I would do it. And now I'm following up on that promise. Um, but yeah, so let's see, what is new before we jump in? Um, okay, so I've been listening to InSync Radio a lot this week, and I just really feel compelled to all of the chiropractic students listening. If you have not um, really spent time exploring this genre of music, I encourage you to um, just, you know, ask Spotify or Pandora or whatever you're using um, to like just play like Alexa to play like in sync radio. You're going to get some really good music that you probably haven't heard too much of Spice Girls. You I know you've heard Britney Spears. Um, like just go ahead and, and do that because I've been vibing it lately. Let's see what else. Okay, so <laughs> this is a funny story. So our six-year-old Ty has been having some issues lately and which has required us to have some like meetings with all of these people at her school. It is insane the number of humans that are invested in her living her best life. Um, so the other day we're, ta we're at this meeting and the dean of students is talking about how he like walked Ty onto the bus and like went through this checklist and like sat in the seat with her. And like this guy's busy. OK, like the, I'm just almost mortified that this guy is having to spend this much of his time devoted to my child but I'm like okay okay so I'm listening and then she went and she he's like you know and she was like really listening and was like yeah okay and I, I thought I was getting through um and then she got ridden up that day on the bus and so I say to this group of teachers I go it reminds me of that um, episode of Friends where Phoebe is trying to teach Joey French and it just isn't getting through. Now, if you know what part of Friends I am talking about, this was hilarious. This was a very funny reference or analogy. I don't think anybody in the room knew what the heck I was talking about, though. And so then my joke just fell flat and I was really pissed about it, too. I went to my office and um, was telling my CAs they had the appropriate response, which is to laugh out loud, um, because that is such a funny moment in Friends. If you again, OK, if you don't also don't know what I'm talking about, go ahead, go YouTube. Phoebe teaches Joey French in Friends and very, very funny. Um, and honestly, how I feel sometimes when I'm talking about subluxation to my to my uh, 
patients and, you know, I'm talking about or like whether I'm talking about working out or breathing or shots or, you know, the big one is when I'm talking about like the effects of mental health on their physical pain or on their, yeah, like how their body feels. And then I go through all of this explanation and at the very end, they're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. So do you think it could be my pillow? And I'm like, motherfucker. Oh my God. Were you listening? So that is, uh, that's also our daughter, Ty. So, all right, let's do a listener highlight. So this one is from Cassie, and this was a DM, and it just says, Hi, Lauren, I just listened to your Getting Out of Network episode. It was very encouraging. Thank you. My husband and I have a clinic together and run things very differently, and this has been a hope of mine lately. Um, That is a very, thank you, Cassie, for sending me that very nice uh, little note. That is a popular episode for people um, because getting out of network is a difficult process. It's very taxing, and a lot of people feel like there's absolutely no way. They feel stuck in their own practice, and I don't know. I think that's, that's part of, I have so many goals with this podcast, but that is definitely one of them is, um, not getting you out of network, uh, but helping people realize that like their practice is, is their practice and it's there yes, to serve other people, but like there's so much burnout in this profession and we are doing them people no good if we're getting burned out. And so, you know, there are tons of chiropractors that are not seeing the numbers they want to see. You know, maybe they're stuck at like 80 a week, 100 a week, and they think that getting out of network would just be like is not an option because it's a nail in the coffin. And I would actually say that that could be part of your explosion into growth. Um, This episode is not about that, but like, yeah, it's a good episode. If you are feeling stuck, whether you have closed rooms and you want to transition to open adjusting, or you want to get out of network with insurance, or you want to, I don't know, all the different things that you might feel stuck in practice. I just encourage you to like shed that in some way, take a step towards it in 2021. Um, because holy cow, 10 years into practice, I love my practice. It so much more than I did in the beginning. And it has nothing to do with the numbers. It has to do with how fulfilling it is because it is an extension of me. So, okay, we're going to pray and then we're going to get to the body, the body episode. Is that what we're calling this? No, that's a lame title. Kirby, don't call it that. Or maybe, I don't know. Okay. Take a nice deep belly breath for me. Unclench your jaw. Relax your shoulders. And connect. Be present with me in this moment. If you are multitasking, just please take 20 seconds to stop what you're doing, unless it is driving. Please keep driving. Um, And be here with me for a sec. Dear God, thank you so much for this opportunity to connect with these humans today on a subject that is so personal and vulnerable. Um, let this message help people through what what they're going through. Um, help them see through my defense mechanisms of humor and know that this these are real issues that they are not alone at all if they are struggling or dealing with this, um, help this be a baby step for people, um, help them realize that they are, they're doing the work right now just by listening to this. Um, and that these processes and shedding all of these layers of bullshit that we have around us as women, as entrepreneurs, as mothers, like these things do not happen overnight. And this is a steady process. Just let me be the conduit for the work that you um, have me here to do. So help me do a good job, please. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay. So I feel like I should caveat this episode by letting you know that I am actually not a licensed therapist. I don't know if you knew that or not. Okay. I am a chiropractor. Um, I haven't even taken a course 
on like mental health and body issues. Uh, I haven't even really done much therapy, so I can't even regurgitate. Well, I tried doing therapy. That's not fair. Um, but my therapist, God bless her. Uh, I didn't seek out like a therapist specifically for like eating disorders. And so a lot of the stuff, when this stuff came up was, uh, anyways, it wasn't, it wasn't healthy for me. So I don't have much there. Um, I've read some books, mm -hmm, not really going to reference any of that today. This is just about, my experience, me sharing the work. I'm not going to tell you much of my story. There's episodes for that. Um, and I do think it's important to share um, because the more I do, whether it's through the through um, episodes or on on Instagram or whatever, um, the more I see I am not alone. So it. It's one thing when you feel like it's just you that's suffering, but when I share and you guys respond that um, you too feel those ways, it hurts. It hurts like if I thought, like if, if my daughter told me that she was having these thoughts and that really continues the cycle. It gives me back momentum to be like, okay, no, 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 no. We have to keep going. You have to keep sharing um, because it's not okay. I think as women, we're very okay with our own suffering. And then it's like other people, you're like, no, 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 but it's not okay for you to do that. Like, so um, it also helps me process stuff faster. I'll, you know, once I kind of realized that there was an issue. So again, Enneagram three here, um, I'm very impatient. And so once I realized there was a quote unquote problem, I don't want to spend 10 years dealing with it. Uh, again, impatient. So I probably will, like, if we're honest, you know, there is no de destination, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so I probably will spend an entire lifetime working on this. But the faster that I can make these leaps, um, it, it's more enjoyable, right? Like life starts to become, oh, when you, the more you start to shed these like, hur not hurdles, these burdens, these things that we just weigh on our shoulder, it's just like, oh, can I get rid of that? And so sharing just kind of makes that happen faster. So I think that this topic goes way, way deeper than the fat versus skinny thing. Way, way deeper. Um, I shared a post like a month-ish ago or whatever. I don't know when I shared it. Um, that was more specific to the way that female chiropractors have all of these rules around our body, not rules, well, but yes, rules, and all of these negative thoughts and all of these things that, you know, we are stuck with, you know, whether it's breastfeeding or birth or not being healthy, you know, because we're supposed to have the most healthy immune systems in the world. We're never supposed to get sick because we get adjusted and we're never supposed to have a C-section, you know, because we got adjusted and our kids are never supposed to have an ear infection because we adjust them. And there's like all of this stuff. And then we're also supposed to be able to adjust everybody. And so there's just all of this, like we should, we should, we should, because if we don't, then chiropractic is a failure. And there's all these like complicated, complicated things. Um, you know, so women's bodies historically are not for themselves. Okay. Like if we think about this on a deeper level, level than this fat skinny thing, uh, the woman body is here to serve a purpose. And I'm sure like if we really wanted to go into it, like men probably feel this way because like blah, blah, blah. They had to be athletic to kill the tiger. Oh my God, not tigers. Like they were, cavemen weren't killing tigers, were they? They're almost extinct. Ah, oh, whatever. They were killing something to feed. So like I'm sure men could like give this sob story about like, no, I need to be strong and fast. This isn't this podcast isn't for you. Get off my podcast. Um, so women's bodies are are historically here to serve a purpose. So one visually like women's bodies are there 
for the pleasure of others. This is like, you know, I'm not a historian, but this is not a new thing. Social media has magazines like Cosmopolitan that didn't invent this. Women's bodies have been for the viewing pleasure for, I don't know, a really, really long time. Um, also, women's bodies are here for the purpose of producing offspring. Without us, the world would die. Um, and then we have to keep the children alive, right? Like, so when we look and we think, okay, we're going to like step back and view how did we get in this clusterfuck where we hate our bodies because we're a size larger than we were five years ago or a year ago or that we gained weight with COVID or how do how did we get here? This is so much deeper than how did you get here, right? Like we talk a lot about like our stories and it's like, well, when I went through puberty, I was fat and then I became skinny and then I got popular and that taught me this. And all of that is absolutely relevant. Um, you know, one of the books I am reading right now talks about, you know, you're uh, trying to think about your first triggering moment. Um, so whether that is your first triggering moment around, uh, if maybe you don't want to have kids and, you know, when was the first moment that it was like assumed you were going to and that like started to mess you up mentally? Or when was the first time that you realized you might not be able to have kids or you might not be able to do this? Or, you know, for me, when was the first moment that you felt you were became aware of your body as a failure to what society wanted it to be? Um, and for me, it was, uh, I don't know, I was like eight-ish. You know, some people's, when you hear about it, it's like really young. Um, but I was, you know, starting, I was a thinnish child, like normal. But, you know, I started to get closer to like eight, seven, eight, nine. I started to get um, what actually, some, what brand is it that actually calls it Husky? Oh my gosh, I was mortified by this because... I don't know. It, it's not Target, but it was like a big brand, maybe Zara, that had like children's clothing. And they literally called it like the swimsuit, a husky size. And I was like, oh, my gosh, complex much. But anyways, I was getting huskier and I was I would have like cry. You know, I would cry because I didn't look like my friends. Now, I don't remember not be a, being able to run or like it didn't affect me physically. It wasn't like I was unhealthy. I ate healthy. It wasn't like I was on a diet, like, but just my body was doing stuff. And, um, I was crying and, you know, my mom had me lay on my back. So, you know, like how your stomach gets flatter when you lay on your back. And she kind of said like, look, see, your stomach isn't big. And in the moment, it was like this weird moment um, that I knew it was a trick. It was working because I was like, oh, yeah, look, my stomach is flat. Um but I knew that it was a trick and, and she was just trying to make me feel better. Like it wasn't, you know, and so I don't know what that means for me. That wasn't the whole point. I <laughs> somehow got on this, like, you know, it's important for us to realize what our like initial moment is and unwrap that. But when we go, how did we get here? This is like hundreds of years of bullshit that, you know, what is the purpose of a woman? So, you know, not to get too heavy, but also like, you know, it's some heavy stuff. So maybe like grant yourself some grace that this isn't just you. You're not broken. This is something that as humankind evolves, this is starting to come to light. So like, again, grant yourself some damn grace because it goes really, really deep. Um, so, you know, this grant, this brings up this question then when we go like, okay, so a woman's body was supposed, is supposed to look a certain way for the viewing pleasure. We're supposed to produce offspring. We're supposed to keep them alive. This is ingrained in us through a lineage. How are we supposed to feel when our body, quote unquote, fails us, you know, of what our purpose is? So it makes sense that like, if we, if this is in us, and we view our body as failing us, maybe you don't want to have kids. That's really hard in this society to go like, I know that my whole purpose, air quotes, is to keep humankind going, 
but kids aren't for me. You have to deal with a whole bunch of mental fuckery. Maybe you really want kids, but you're unable to. That's a whole cluster. Now, today, neither of those are my story. Okay, so I wanted children. So I was able to like check that box for society that like, yes, I will comply and be a mother. Um, And then although we had very, very mild for I don't even want to call them fertility issues. Our second kid took seven months. You know, there was emotional, but we were able to have children without um, help. So those are not my story. I do think that we should should we all agree that that should be an episode at some point in the future, like because I think that's hard for women, those either of those stories. So I will have someone on. But this episode is going to be more about that, um, you know, that first one of like our body being for the purpose of others pleasure. Now, when I say this, I need you to hear this because this is super, super important. So again, hey, if you're multitasking, listen up. When I say that a woman's body historically has been for the viewing pleasure and that that is one of my deepest issues, I do not mean that in a sexual way. So yes, obviously, um, there is a you know, historically men, women. Okay. Got it. Um, but for me personally, I seek so much more validation from women than men about how I look. And I would gather if you really think about it, um, unless you single, then get it girl. Um, but I would, gather that if you are a obviously this is if you are a heterosexual so reverse everything I'm saying um that if you're a married woman or in a committed relationship you are seeking the validation um not from the opposite sex or from I don't know how to phrase that in a I don't know okay anyways you know what I mean so if I'm heterosexual I am doing this for women. I want compliments from women that I look cute. Uh, You know, like that's what I'm doing it for. Because let's be honest, men, men historically don't want a size four. Like men, Kirby makes this joke about how like women's fashion right now is so clearly for women because that's not what men sexually want like my husband doesn't want me to be all like hard and teeny he likes softness and again gosh how many times can I say the word historically find another word Lauren um if we look at throughout history (laughs) is that a better less annoying way um you know the Venus and like these statues they weren't this size that we are trying to become, right? They were voluptuous women. Amy Porterfield has an amazing episode on this. So if you don't know who Amy Porterfield, she is originally known for a lot of like online marketing, her online marketing podcast. Um, But she just recently started a podcast called Talking Body. And it is, she has an episode that, goes does a way better job than I would do um, talking about this whole thing of like the woman's body and what it's there for and like um, historically how it has evolved into this new ideal of looking really really skinny so my body issues didn't actually start until semi more recently when my body stopped listening I guess when I told it to lose weight um okay so obviously body issues started a long long time ago um you know back when we found out we were having girls like I knew like hey this is a certain way we're going to talk around them. And I really consciously have tried to protect them as much as possible. Like I didn't want them hearing their mom talk about herself in any kind of way. So like Curb and I would have like code words where I'd be like, do these pants make me look unhealthy? And he'd be like, no, I think you look very healthy in those pants. Um, So we use a lot of like that terminology, I have a feeling my eight-year-old is going to get come like get wise and be like, what? What are you talking about? Do you look healthy? But we think we're doing a good job. So body issues have been 
obviously gone way back into my teens and before that, but where it became really bad was in my early 30s when I no longer could control it. And that's where shit got cray. Because in my 20s, if I was feeling a little fat and wanted to lose five pounds, I would not drink for a week and I would lose five pounds. Boom. Um, I can give up drinking for three weeks now and lose one-ish pounds. I've done this multiple times. I've done Whole30 and been like, wow, cool. Thought I would get better results than that. Um, so there's all of these hacks, or not hacks, extreme dieting stuff that was unhealthy, but it worked. So in my mind, this body issues didn't really come to the surface. Now that my body, it's it's not fair. I do the things, I restrict the calories, I do all the stuff, and my body still says, that's nice. And that is where things got really bad. Um, that is where I became... Uh, very aware that there there's a serious problem. This is taking up a lot of my energy and maybe some wisdom came with it too. I don't know. Kind of like, what, what, why are you wasting this much time? You're a successful person. You are, you're, damn it, on paper, you are successful. Amy Porterfield also talks about this. Like it just, the absolute ridiculousness. We have women who have million dollar clinics that are listening to this right now. They are in a happy marriage. They have children. They've got the car. They've got the bags. They've got all the things that society tell us. You did a great job, but they're a size 16 and they feel like they are less than. And that is weird. Like this is weird. So that's kind of where I was. I think where it really came to the surface, like I couldn't lose the weight. And then I'm like, well, why is this so important that I lose the weight? Why do I need to look a certain way in a swimming suit for my husband on vacation? Is it more about me? And so like all of these questions started spiraling, spiraling. So I would say for sure for the last year and a half, I mean, also, <laughs> hi, podcast listeners, I will say that the podcast has accelerated this. Um, because I want to be vulnerable with you. I want to be imperfect for you. I don't want you to have another perfect talking head that perpetuates an issue of like, and you too can be just like me. You're not perfect. Oh, you should feel less than. And I'm not saying that anybody, <laughs> I'm not saying that there's any female chiropractors doing that. I'm just saying, I didn't want that. I didn't want you to make me a guru or think that I'm perfect because that's part of the problem. So for the last year and a half, I've really had to start doing uh, the work, we'll call it. Um, and one of the first things, so step one, was becoming aware of that, that negative thought pattern that would happen. Like just observing the way I talked about myself as if it were somebody else. You know, there's um, there's all the, the stat out there that I'm going to butcher, but it's like something like 95% of the thoughts that we think on a daily basis, it's somewhere between 85 to 95, are um, repetitive. And then like 70% of them are negative. So anybody listening who knows is like, oh, my God, Lauren, do you do research before your episodes? I didn't know I was going to bring up that stat. OK, get off my back. So either way, a huge amount of the thoughts that we think from day to day, from hour to hour are repetitive. They're the same thoughts. They're not brand new spanking thoughts. And a huge percent, I know for a fact it's more than 50 percent, are negative. So that's kind of mind blowing, right? Especially as chiropractors um, or like <laughs> woke people, because um, all my listeners are woke. Um, you know, that's that's not OK, because we realize that thoughts, you know, if you've ever read Gen Tempo, you're like thoughts manifest. Well, crap, I'm saying I want this thing, but if I'm being really negative, how does that work? Right. Like, how can I body hate myself into loving my body. And so that was kind of part of this work of like, wow, I mean, 
Yeah, I guess in the past it did work. And that's why I could, you know, carry it is I could see a photo, hate myself, get super motivated, like find time to go to the gym two hours, do really unhealthy stuff. And then my body would perform and I would lose weight. So that's how I would get away with it for a really long time. But like I said, when that stopped working, then it was like, huh, okay, so hating yourself isn't working. I guess I might need to try a different approach. So I started just paying attention. And, you know, if you do the exercise of like, whoa, if someone talked to my friend that way, I would not be okay. Like I would like girl boss or girl riot. I don't know. I would break a bottle and cut a girl. Um, If somebody tried to talk to my daughter that way or my friend that way, yet here I am just uh, hating myself all day, every day. Yeah, just perpetuating a problem. So then two was I had to, you know, once I got awareness and I knew I couldn't just extreme diet my way in because believe me, I tried, it didn't work. Um, And then I tried a different thing and then I tried a different thing and then I tried a different thing and I was like, maybe you need to find something more lifestyle. And we've heard this, right? Like this isn't brand new. We all know yo-yo diets don't work. I saw something the other day on social media where I get all my news uh, (laughs) that said, you know, that the medical community, like even chiropractors... (laughs) Because we're not in the, you know what I mean. So like chiropractors who know so much more about the body, right? Like than the medical community. So like screw them. Like we understand the body and health. What is health? And even chiropractors can't agree on one way, one universal way that works to lose weight, right? Like my thread is full of chiropractors and we've got people telling me that intermittent fasting is the worst thing in the world. We've got people who love Whole30. We've got people like, and that's okay. I think that's cool. But even we can't agree that there's one thing. So like I needed to figure out for me what was going to be my thing. Like, because I couldn't keep doing this style of diet because I have something coming up and then what would happen is there'd be so much restriction on myself that then I would just binge so like for me the classic that would happen for years and years is I would have a tropical vacation coming up where I was going to be in a swimming suit so then for one to two months beforehand I would like extreme whatever whatever the diet name was um just go at it I would work really hard to lose five to ten pounds Obviously, it did get harder and harder and harder every year, even though I was doing the same things and even more extreme. Um, And then on vacation, I mean, shit, I wouldn't even be on vacation yet. I would be like on the drive to the airport being like, boom, boom, boom. No, I'm not going to have a black coffee. I'm going to have a mocha because I like mochas Um, and I haven't had a mocha in two months because I'm only allowed black coffee. And like and it would start there. And then what would happen is obviously I would gain all of that weight back on vacation because I just unleashed all of the rules and restrictions. So for me, this is not an intermittent fasting like uh, episode, if you, whatever. Um, intermittent fasting has not caused me to lose weight, <laughs> even though I was told it would. Um, but it does give me it works for my lifestyle. So I don't eat until somewhere between two and three o'clock. Up until then, I just drink water, drink black coffee Um you know, I can work out. It doesn't bother me. It's actually really nice to not, I don't, to quote unquote, not waste energy thinking about breakfast or any of that. Um, And then I have an eating window of about six or seven hours. Um, Usually, you know, so like during that, I don't eat a full day's meals. I I did that in the beginning. That didn't work. Um, You know, so like it's really gotten me in touch with like, even when I break my fast, I do it typically with like a salad or a smoothie or like a broth, like a soup. Um, I can't even do like leftovers. So if we have like lasagna, like that's too heavy for me. I have to break my fast. And by dinner time, I'm not starving at all. I, and then I eat 
dinner with my family. And for me, it's not like, oh, am I allowed to eat the rice? Am I allowed to eat the sweet potato? I am allowed. There are no good food, bad foods, because I've realized that's a trigger for me. That may not be your thing. Like I said, I'm not pushing intermittent fasting on you, but I've just had to find something. So then what happened is, is when we went into our most recent vacation in January, um, obviously November, it was early January. So we're coming off the holiday season. It was a really helpful thing during Christmas of like, I can have the cookie, you know, I'm, I can't have it at 10 a.m., but that's okay. Like if I want it later, I can have it. And so that helped when I went into vacation, I didn't eat breakfast. Um, my family did and I just drink black coffee. And that was, that was so healthy for me. That was healthy for me because I didn't feel like I needed to binge. I feel good when I don't eat breakfast. So it was like, well, I'm not going to change. There aren't rules. This is just my lifestyle. That has very much helped. You know what else helped on vacation? So, okay. I don't know if I shared this with you guys that we went to, so we went to a club med in Punta Cana in January of this year. And, um, Club Med used to be owned by a French company. We knew that. Um, but I didn't realize why that mattered until we went to Punta Cana. And I would say 90% of the people there were French. Uh, spoiler alert, Kirby and I do not speak French at all. Not not even really bonjour. Um, and because they don't say bonjour. If they said bonjour, I'd be like, oh, bonjour. Uh, but they say like, hey, what's up? Or like, how's it going? And I don't know what any of that means. So like people don't walk around like it's kind of like us in America. Like if somebody learned the word hello, and that's the only word they really know. And then like when we cross people on, on the sidewalk, we don't say hello. Most of the time we go, hey, or something like that. And I'm like, what'd you say? What? So bonjour didn't even work for me there. So being at a, we've gone to multiple all-inclusives, right? So you get very used to seeing people in swimming suits. And so many people at this resort were just in shape. And that is not normal. Like when you go to Mexico, um, you see a lot of Americans, you see a lot of Canadians. Um, and so you're used to seeing, yep, some people got abs, some people don't. So like you just see all this variety. But when we were at this very French resort, a an extreme amount of people were very fit. And it kind of made you realize like, um, wow, French just have different genetics because I've gone to enough all-inclusives to know that this is not normal. And French, like when you look into like genetics and body types, the French do. They have very different body types. Now me, I am uh, like 43% British. Actually, I think it 23andMe just told me it went up a little bit. So I'm like closer to 50%, which can just side note was really disappointing. Um, so I've always been very naturally tan. I've got black hair, even though you follow me, you're like, I thought you were a blonde. No, I'm not a blonde. Um, you can tell my roots. Uh, it, when I was in high school, I got invited to be in the multicultural club. Um, and I was like, what? And I used to think I was German and Irish. Okay. And I was like, all right, that suck. You know, well, actually back in high school when like, you know, you just want to fit in. I was like, okay, good. I'm nothing. I'm nothing exotic or weird. Now as an adult, I'm like, so I did this test just like crossing every finger that I got something cool. All right. Like to me, like something exotic, like, oh my gosh, tell me that I'm Brazilian or Italian or Moroccan or Egyptian or like, oh my gosh, please. Can I be Persian? Oh, just a little, that would be so cool. Um, and I got my test results back and I was like the whitest of white person, like nothing. You guys, I was, I'm 43% to 50% British. So it was just really like, well, where does my tan come from? That's boring. But anyways, um, so if you've ever been to an area where there's a lot of British people, you will know that British people age their bodies. They get very, very red tan. They're very, very tan and they're very stomach. Um, they carry their weight in their stomach. Like definitely. Like when we were in Spain, I remember like uh, there was a ton of British people there because like that had lined up with their holiday. Um, and yeah, like 
British people, as they age and gain weight, they just look a certain way. And so it kind of brings up this video that I uh, stumbled across called Poodle Science or the problem with Poodle Science. I recommend you go find it on YouTube. It's only two and a half minutes or something like that. And it's this idea that, you know, a poodle is like if we were to say that a poodle is the ideal dog, no matter how hard a mastiff tries, it cannot become a poodle. And so like understanding my genetics is helpful of going like, no matter how hard I try, I, it, I can't look like that. Like I am not French. I am not Norwegian. I am not whatever other ethnicity you know, has natural sveltness in their um, genes. That's that's not mine. And so like knowing my genetics is helpful because that affects what is possible and normal for my body as it ages. Okay. Also, I hope I didn't offend anybody uh, listening that I wanted to be something other than European. My uh, intention is never to ever ever to offend. So I do know that that can be kind of like triggering for people of color of like, mm. so I apologize, not my intent. So number three, besides finding a healthy um, eating, drinking lifestyle and understanding my genetics, which was kind of like a sub three, so that'd be like three or two B, I don't know. If you're pay if you're keeping notes, hmm, good luck. So we'll call this number three. I started following people on social media that look like me. Um, I that is extremely helpful, extremely, extremely helpful. So, you know, and this would apply if body issues aren't or like fat skinny isn't your issues, but like, um, you know, birth stories are like your birth story wasn't ideal for you. Um, I recommend unfollowing people who push a lot of stuff that's anti C-section or whatever, you know, like. What are you allowing into your brain? What are you allowing that you are viewing and scrolling? Because mindless scrolling has been shown to be so negative if you're not conscious. So it doesn't mean, like, I don't unfollow someone because they're skinny. But at all, trust me, the work has helped. Like, I used to have to. I used to have to unfollow. Um, yeah, I mean, I wasn't planning on sharing this, but, like, it's kind of embarrassing. But, like, I would have to unfollow people who were chiropractors who consist who were very attractive and thin and had the body shape that I really, really wish I had and were in a swimming suit all the time. Like it was, it's not good for my brain. And so I had to realize that that was a trigger and had to put some boundaries around that. But I think what's more important for me now is not that I see, I don't see that, but that it's more important that I see body positive people like seeing women who look like me or who are larger than me own their confidence and show up and that's also part of why I force myself to show up for you because it's like well shoot if that is helping me then what I do will help somebody else and so I want to be a part of the solution you know so social media can be part of the problem it can be part of the solution so just be conscious of what you're putting in uh it's uh, I could list a bunch of people I'll do it on when this episode releases of like body positive people that I follow um one of my favorites though is Celeste Barber I think oh, she's a comedian and um she <laughs> She does these like challenges. You need to go follow her. Please go follow her. Uh, but anyway, so she'll show like something very sexual, like that a woman, you know, is like modeling and the woman has this like ideal, gorgeous model body. And then like she does the pose. Oh, I love when we can just laugh about stuff like that. Like for me and again, oh my gosh, we're in such a like sensitive world that I appreciate, by the way, but like now I'm just being now I'm like, oh, shoot, are will the women who have an ideal body feeling bad about themselves by listening to this? I don't want you to do that. OK, listen, if you love your body and it is what society says is ideal, I'm so happy for you. I'm so, so happy for you. Please don't tell me. I, I hope you don't have body issues. So I don't want you to feel bad at all. Like this is our shit. This is not you. This is very much our own stuff. Okay, 
back to so anyways go follow celeste but i was um disappointed the other day because i was looking and i'm like oh no is she losing weight because i don't want her to get thin it would make it not as helpful but if she's getting healthy i'm happy for her whatever so follow people that are part of your solution and are going to help you do the work because if you're spending a lot of time on social media that's just one easy thing um okay there was another thing what was really powerful oh I switched my thoughts on workouts. So for years and years and years, like, so I'm the type of person that just can't slow down and do yoga, like, because that doesn't burn any calories. And if I'm working out, I'm doing it to burn calories so I can get skinnier. And, um, you know, there's all this stuff about like, you should work out to be healthy, like that's, and I'm like, okay, yeah. And by healthy, I mean skinny. So like it didn't work, but, uh, I don't know, a couple months ago I was watching Sunday morning and uh, I think it was Sanjay Gupta. I don't know, some famous, some famous medical doctor was on and he was talking about Alzheimer's. Now, Alzheimer's is something very, um, close to me because I have dementia and Alzheimer's coming at me genetic wise on both sides of my family. Um, it's a terrible, terrible disease. I saw my grandma um, essentially, you know, die of it. And it's really scary. So it's like something that I, you know, watch as research comes out, I just pay extra attention because I don't want to get it and I worry that I might. So he's talking about, you know, the like what the research is saying. And I don't remember what all five things were. I do know that um, I do know that not drinking was not one of the five things to help prevent Alzheimer's because you bet your ass as he was listing them. I was like, again, crossing my fingers, like, please don't say not drinking. Please don't say not drinking. I don't want to um, think that I have to give, like, if I continue to have alcohol in my life that I've, oh, he didn't. So, um, but one of them was berries. Okay. I remembered one. Um, but the other one, the more important one that's pertinent to what we're talking about was he talked about regular cardiovascular exercise like getting that heartbeat up, um, you know, 20 minutes, 20, 30 minutes a day, or just very regularly. So not necessarily going for a walk, not necessarily doing yoga, like actual cardiovascular exercise. And oh, so obviously this doesn't help me do yoga, but it did help me switch my thinking on why I'm getting on the treadmill, why I'm signing up for that class on vacation, like why I'm at the gym in the morning, even though I'm on vacation, why I'm waking up. Because before the motivation to work out was to get skinnier. That's it. That was the only reason. And I would be like, and blah, 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 it's healthy for you. No, that wasn't like, it didn't resonate. But now that there's this like, oh, moving my body, like now that it's deeply personal and it's connected to something to me, like Alzheimer's, for you, it might be heart disease. Like if heart attacks come very like common at a young age in your family, having that as part of the reason that you work out may be just switching that. But that has been part of my work is... In addition, sometimes I work out to, you know, get thinner. But if that was the only reason, like it wasn't healthy for me. So adding in an actual reason for like, this is why I am doing a run. This is why I'm doing a high intensity workout. If I burn the calories, that is fantastic. If it helps me lose a pound, cool, great. Um, but I am doing this for a bigger picture. Okay, uh, fifth thing, kind of, we're getting closer, guys, don't worry, uh, is really identifying my triggers. Um, and this is tethered to what has happened more recently. So when I promised to do an episode on what are some, what's some of the work I've done to get healthier with my a relationship with my body, um, I was on a high, kind of like an all-time high. I've never loved my body in a healthy way 
when it didn't look the way I thought it should. That's true. Because, you know, I've loved my body. Like when I got real skinny for my wedding, I was like, yeah, girl, get it. Um, But I've never loved my body when it wasn't what I wanted it to look like as much as I did in like November, December, January was kind of at a high. And that's when I promised like, all right, I'm going to share with you how I got here to the top of this mountain. And then between then and recording this episode, I slid all the way down that mountain into a low that I don't know if I've ever been because with awareness, you know, before it wasn't that like these were new thoughts when I spiraled backwards into body hate, body loathing. I hated my body for years and years, but it was just the normal. So it was like, I don't know, another day, another bad photo, what you gonna do? But when you go from a high to a low, that low feels really, really low. And so when I started to kind of, when I stopped crying, um, I started to reflect on like, okay, in a very nice way. Like, so this, I, um, I could have beat myself up and been, not physically, uh, but I could have verbally beat myself up and been like, you loser, you're an imposter, you're telling people on social media that you love your body, look at you, you're lie, you know, like, mm-hmm, okay, right, lots of lies. Um, I could have done that. Um, I had to consciously go, whoa, those, that's mean. I'm not going to talk about myself this way, but I am going to, with grace, reflect as to how I possibly got here so I can just make this part of the work and improve in my story. Um, and so then, you know, I look back at the previous couple of weeks and there were triggers. There were moments that um, definitely contributed. You know, it wasn't just that day looking at myself in the mirror at the gym that caused it. It was a lead up to that. Um, and I think that however you, you know, no matter what kind of mental health disorder or dysfunction that you may feel you have, um, whether that is ADHD or depression or panic attacks or, you know, or body dysmorphia or whatever it is, um, I would guess, and this is truly me just guessing, that like if you fall into a deep state of depression um, or your anxiety gets really bad, you can kind of look back at the last month or week or two weeks and go like, okay, I can kind of now in hindsight see that I was traveling down this road. Now I'm not really sure what to do different when I see those triggers next time. So like, for instance, for me, um, I went shopping at a boutique. I tried on a, I needed new jeans because damn Gen Zers told me I'm not allowed to wear skinny jeans anymore, but also, uh, fuck them. Like, n- never mind. I'm going to wear what makes me feel good about myself. But in that moment, I wanted a non-pair of skinny jeans because that's all I own. So I had to try on a bunch of jeans and some of them were my size that I always buy and fit. And some of them were a size larger and still didn't fit, Um, you know. And so I didn't dwell on it too much in that moment. I just kind of kept moving. But hindsight, that was like a, a chip in the glass for me. And so I think that maybe next time when I see a slight trigger like that, that doesn't send me spiraling, but I know is has the potential to contribute to a spiral coming up, I might take some time to kind of like journal through that um, and write like, okay, this is what happened today. What are some truths I know about this situation? Some truths are that I know that body, like how far something comes up, how much elastic is in, you know, whatever, just kind of like journal through that. I don't know if that'll help the spiral from not coming because loving your body is a It's not this destination. It is this process where there are going to be highs and there are going to be lows. This is in everything in life, right? Like, so I do know that I I don't think it's possible that I can avoid any future lows. I think that all of this work, so like journaling when a trigger happens, will contribute to getting back to a place 
of healthy thinking faster. Um, you know, we'll just draw awareness to like it faster um, will give me strength in talking about it more, helping and reaching out to others more because um, it's got to be helpful, right? The, it, the work's got to do something. Um, but yeah, so I think that not beating myself up, um, journaling, seeing those triggers, I think crying was healthy. It's good. But another thing that was really helpful when you do spiral is kind of realizing that I don't know what the truth is about my body. Uh, because there have been times in my life, in my most recent life, uh, my most recent life, my most recent years, that I know I cried about being fat. And I look at those photos now. So like we went to Thailand in November of 2018. And on that trip, I remember crying to Kirby because I looked at photos, which are a trigger for me. Um, and being like, I look fat. And I was like, oh my God, I see these photos now. And I'm like... I would kill to look like that now. Um, and so that that in itself, you may you I'm sure you can relate to this if you're really still listening to this podcast or this episode um, that you look at photos, whether it was in high school or in college or last year that you were like, oh, my gosh, I thought I was fat then and I would just be happy if I was five pounds thinner. And then what we do is we go, if I look like that now. I would be happy. That's <laughs> okay. So that's not where we're going to stop in the work because that's a lie. That is a lie. And that is proof that it isn't about the weight. The fact that you weren't happy then, even though you think you should have been, that's the proof that it it's not, has nothing to do with what you look like because you weren't happy then. It is so much deeper than that. And so please don't um, tell yourself that like, if you could just look like that now, you would appreciate it. Like, no, how about instead visualize a future you, a 60 year old you. Okay. So I don't know how old you are listening. Okay. So whatever. For me, I'm 34. And I look back at pictures when I was 28. I was six months postpartum and I was thinner than I am now. And I just like, you know, there's all sorts of like mind fuckery around that. Um, so instead of going like, oh my gosh, if I could just, right. Uh, I picture a 50 year old me looking at pictures of this person right now that I have this 34 year old meat sack. And that changes things. I go like, you know, because who knows? Maybe I'll be skinnier when I'm 50. It's for sure possible. You know, I'm getting a Peloton, so, or off-brand actually. Um, but, you know, like maybe I like, I'm going to find my thing and I'm going to get so skinny. But I have a feeling 50-year-old me is going to look at pictures of me now and go, wow, all you saw was that number on the scale. Look at your skin. Look at... You, how young your kids are look at how she like you're holding her on her back and like on your back and you're giving her a piggyback ride like I can visualize 50 year old me looking at 34 year old me and going like you were so mean to yourself damn it I said I wasn't gonna cry um so instead of looking back at pictures and going like if I could just get that weight this is a much healthier exercise to go like, I can love this body now. It doesn't mean that I can't want to be healthier. It doesn't mean that I can't want to like, you know, lose some of this belly fat, but I'm going to do it in a healthy way. Like you can, you can still do all that. But when you're in the spiral, that was why, how I got to this was realize what is the truth about your current status? If 50 year old you would look at you and just love this. And 34-year-old you looks back at an unhappy crying 30-year-old in Thailand and goes, you were unhappy then. So what was the truth then? Was the truth that I wasn't as fat as I thought I should have been? Or is the truth now that I should, like, 
hopefully this is making sense to you. You might have to re-listen, although maybe re-listening won't help at all. Hopefully y'all are following, following along. So that helps stops the spiral of like, I actually can't trust what is the truth. I cannot trust that I would love myself right now if I was 10 pounds thinner, because that wasn't the truth in previous years. I cannot trust that if I stopped extreme dieting and, you know, just worked out what felt right and fueled my body with what feels right, I can't trust that I would gain weight. Like that's a lie that I tell myself is if I don't step on the scale and stop the hemorrhaging, I will not hate myself enough to stop eating French fries. And I was like, is that what's worked? Is that like, is that what's, is that, is that true? So I don't know quite how to end this and wrap this up. I think what I will say is what, I'll just ask a simple question of what if, what if you had your ideal body right now and you weren't happy? What if you were 10 pounds heavier, 20 pounds heavier, still functionally healthy, doing all the things. It wasn't limiting um, your health in any way or your movement of your body or your heart or, you know, and you were happier than you are now. What if you moved your body and fueled your body to what felt right and you didn't beat yourself up? What if you weren't always trying to lose 10 pounds what if you just decided to be okay and I'm not asking you to be okay that is not what I'm saying I'm saying ask yourself what if I was just okay with what I look like what if I was just okay with that what would that look like how much happier would I be? Because that's what the body thing is about, right? Like, unless you are consciously going, no, I want to look a certain way because I'm a model and I need to, you know, like, okay, you're an extreme subset. I would venture that most of us listening are seeking to be happy. That's why we say I would be happier if I was thinner. Again, do we know that to be true? Is that the truth from the past? And what if you decided to be happier now? Like, what if you didn't hate your body? Could you be happy right now? So just what if you could be okay? I think that is the first step in all of this. It's not jumping to being okay. It's just saying like, what would that look like? What would my life look like? What would my thoughts be like? What would trying on clothes be like? What would looking at pictures of our family, a family portrait session look like if I didn't go, oh my God, that double chin. Like, would I see my children differently? Would I view my body? What if I viewed my body as like awesome that it can run a half marathon? Like, yeah, I'm size 10 and I run 13 miles. You're size four and probably you can't run three. Like, you know, like what if, what if we just like viewed our bodies, these awesome things, maybe you can have kids, you know, like what if you're like, that is so cool that I get a regular period and not everybody gets that. Like, what if? So I guess that's how we'll uh, end this. I will tell you that my process has been... I thought that I would start feeling my that way about my body, loving it first, and then I would start saying things like, I love my body. I thought I had to like actually believe it before I could say it. Um, and I will tell you that a lot of my progress has come from flipping that script of going like, I'm just going to say... <laughs> I love this body and I'm grateful for it. And it starts kind of as a lie, um, but you say it and I will tell you what, you do start believing it. So for anybody who this episode has resonated with, I would love to hear from you. It helps. 
it helps a lot. You have no idea how much your feedback um, helps me show up vulnerably and honestly and not feel like I'm doing this from a, a purely selfish like perspective. So I hope that has helped. And I um, love you so much in your journey. And I know that whether you're dealing with body issues, fertility issues, birth issues, height issues, acne issues, um, that you're not alone. And I hope you know that we're all just like, we're just a bunch of meat sacks. So until next week, bye guys. Hey, She Slayers, are you looking to get your team off the phone and streamline your front desk so you can spend more time doing what you love? SCED has exactly what you're looking for. They will automate all your appointment reminders, missed appointment reminders, reactivation campaigns, allow you to have two-way texting with your patients. Plus, they have a very cool app that your patients are going to love. The app alone saves chiropractors tons of time because it gives patients the flexibility to move appointments to a time that works better for them. Don't worry, you won't lose control of your schedule because you'll have access to all the parameters that keep you still in control. Plus, there's overbook protection, so your schedule won't get out of hand. SCED was created by a chiropractor for chiropractors, so you can rest assured that you're getting the absolute best system for your office. Dr. Eric Kowalki is committed to the chiropractic mission, and he works closely with his developers to always be innovative so that we have the best system available. If you're hesitant to switch to SCED because you already use something else, let me tell you, it's worth every penny. Plus, mention that you heard about it on my podcast and they'll give you a discount. Seriously, it is a game changer. Don't wait.